Welcome to Five Star Company Culture with your host, Josh Cunningham. In this podcast, we explore how culture is the key to unlocking massive profits and unprecedented freedom. Discover insights, strategies, and inspiring stories to transform your life and business. Here's your host, Josh Cunningham. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Five Star Company Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Cunningham, founder and CEO here at Five Star Company Culture. And I've got a very special guest today. We were joined by Vanessa Brewers out of Denver, Colorado. How's it going, Vanessa? Hey, we're happy to be here. Thanks so much for being on. Uh, Always love getting to meet these new guests on our podcast. And, uh, you know, really before we hit record here, we kind of dive deep into what the expertise, what the specialty, what the power is that you can use to impact the world and make it a better place. And Vanessa has a very exciting story today to share with you. Uh, We're going to dive deep on um, some of the transformations that she's helped businesses achieve, but she loves to be proclaimed as the culture shaman. So Vanessa, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, the culture shaman. Will do. Yeah, I've always had an uh, affinity for provocative combinations of words. You know, my sales training is called sacred sales culture shaman. The work kind of these two concepts that don't always seem like they really fit together. Mm-hmm. And my work has always been in healing old trauma, limiting beliefs, really challenging aspects of identity and change in entrepreneurs and leaders. So the work that I was doing for a decade was entrepreneurs, leaders, professionals would come to me to help some external element of their business, mm-hmm. whether they were stuck or unclear or needed growth or wanted growth or, you know, whatever. And we would end up going really deep into the healing elements of sort of what I said, like the energy that impacts the world around it. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, it became really clear. I mean, Tony Robbins always said, you have to be an idiot to work with that many people and not be able to identify patterns. Mm-hmm. But I would working with these patterns with individuals, entrepreneurs, so that they could go affect them in their own businesses. Right. And then two years ago, I had the opportunity to move into my daughter's father's business, which is a small boutique fitness uh, gym, and help them both with their culture and with performance. And so it was this really cool opportunity for me the first time. I was genuinely asking myself the question, like, hope I haven't been full of shit for the last 10 years. Like, does this really work with yeah. my own t- And it was cool. You know, it's to me, people all operate from the same, the same patterns, whether those patterns work well and you have healthy expressions of them, or these patterns are a mess and you have unhealthy expressions of them. And the way people show up in those expressions really impact performance and culture. And so the way that I describe a culture shaman is that it's basically, you have the complexity of all the people in your organization colliding. Uh Uh-huh your intention for how you want the company to, to work and feel. So your intention for how you want the company to work and feel is what you want the culture to be. But if the energetics of the people can't mesh with that, then the culture doesn't perform or it doesn't come to life. And so the work that I do is to work with both the intention and the expression of the people to make sure that people are operating in the healthy expressions and they are performing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, the congruency there is what's key. Uh, because like you said, as business owners and leaders, we're always driven by the results, right? Everybody was like, so look at the scoreboard, like, so look at the, 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 the final efforts as they were recorded, because again, those results come from what? Our efforts. And the efforts are going to come from the psychological, uh, psychological and emotional state that we're in. 
And that comes from, is derived from our belief system, right? And like you said, you've spent a lot, lots of time, years and years and years, helping people transform what those beliefs are, those limiting beliefs, what the programming that's been, you know, that we've absorbed over time and through our experiences, through our teachings, through our parents, through our upbringing, through the friends that we've had, right? The, the connections that we've made. And so it's very important to go a little bit deeper, a little bit, go a couple layers underneath the surface. And so here you are presented with an opportunity to really dive in deep and help a little bit more hands-on than what you were used to with your previous consulting clients. And you were facing a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? How many of you have ever been there before? You're like, <laughs> hey, do I, is the stuff that I've been preaching for so long actually work? And so um, talk to us a little bit about that. You had this opportunity, the business needed some transformation. You thought, okay, I've, I've been talking the talk. Yeah, I've been helping all these other people create these amazingly positive results. Can I do it myself? So what did that look like? What were some of the initial challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them? So we had mostly really great people. Mm -hmm. Fitness tends to be really passionate, people who are really passionate about the work that they do in impacting people. So that wasn't of shortage. Mm -hmm. We didn't have much of a culture. We didn't have any real organization around consistent messaging or training. And we were just kind of hoping people would show up. We had been relying on a really heavily manager-based model where the manager would sort of disseminate all that information. But we had let go of three of our managers in a year. And I just said, let's not rehire. Let's mm -hmm. build so strong and so high-performing that they don't need managed. Right. And I mean, people tell you they're crazy, but I like challenges like that. Also, because it's such a passionate profession, our team was terrified of sales. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody in fitness who wants to be in sales, but if you're in fitness, you're in sales. I mean, if you're yeah. in business. <laughs> so we had a real challenge of reprogramming the way that our team thinks about sales and upskilling them in sales. Mm -hmm. Those are two very different elements. And so when I came in, my role was what I called what the culture shaman or the responsible for the culture to create a community where in a culture where human experience drives human performance. Mm -hmm. You can't go into a fitness business or any business where people are passionate. And I would argue you shouldn't go into any business stifling people's expression. It just doesn't work because if you, if you, if you have to change the way that they show up, it's going to affect their performance. Mm -hmm. So I did a couple things. One, we started really working on sales training and creating a culture of sales. So we skilled them, we supported them, but then we also created these real expectations and consistency and congruency around those things. Mm -hmm. Started to encourage people to actually elicit the problems that they were having, to actually elicit the complaints and the frustrations, which can typically be intimidating in the workplace. Yeah. Also teaching them how to work through them. And I mean, we, in, so one example of this is if any team member would come to me and say, hey, so-and-so is not pulling their weight. My first question is always, did you talk to them? Yep. No is the answer. Well, then it's your problem. <laughs> if you speak to them, it's not my problem. If you speak to them, it doesn't work, then I'll take it on. And I really wanted to encourage this. I wanted to eliminate this culture of fear of air quotes confrontation, which is yep. really just people-pleasing, codependency, and the fear of tension in disguise, which are all the same three things that show up and basically any human interaction that breaks down, including sales. Mm -hmm. so kind of working with that dynamic was probably one of the key things that we did to really change the foundation of the culture at the studio. Mm -hmm. And over the course of a couple of months, I mean, I think 
I think it was somewhere between six weeks and 12 weeks, we became the top performing, top converting studio in the country in sales. I, I, I mean, more than double. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I always, um, you know, everybody has their own way of kind of summarizing and categorizing things. But when, when it comes to me and I reflect on the success that we've had at Rockerbox and um, the, the business that I own is an inside sales assistant company for, in the real estate profession. And we take the work that nobody else wants to do, sales, right? Not just sales, but the first step of sales, right? The really cold stuff where the yeah. funnel is the funnel is huge and wide and open and you're, you're, you're pulling everybody in with a magnet who's 90% of them don't even have any interest at all in what it is that you sell. And so that's what our company does is we take all these cold internet leads and we, we call them, we text them, we email them and we convert them over to a hot lead for our client. And so what I say is the success that we've had when I turn back and look, look, uh, you know, the other direction and reflect on it. It really is three things. It's having the right systems in place, right? So a system is hopefully something that you've done before. You can document it. You can duplicate those efforts and those results. And then once you've got all the systems, you've got to have the right talent in place. So you've already alluded to that. You've got to have not just a pulse, not just a person who can clock in and clock out, but someone who has talent, right, in this space and that they are excited to be able to show up and, and, and hone this craft. Um, but, but really, that means nothing if you don't have the foundation, which is step three, and that's having a five-star company culture. And the analogy I always use, I, I used to live in downtown San Diego, and I'd look at my high-rise building on a day-to-day basis, and I'd see them building skyscrapers. And the number one sign to figure out how tall the building was going to be was what? How deep the hole is. Right? And that to me is company culture. It's the hole that you're building. It's the foundation that you're going to create for all of these decisions to be made because you don't need this hierarchy of management looking over everybody's shoulder and micromanaging every single one of their decisions. But if you have a strong foundation, you can build anything on top of that because if you align with people who believe in what you believe in, they're going to do the right thing. Right? They're going to they're going to act in the best interest of the organization, of their coworkers, Um that's actually one of our core values here at Rockerbox. But um, so I love how you talked about that. You know, you alluded to that real life experience of, hey, we don't need more managers. We don't need more oversight. We don't need people going and running to the principal's office and telling someone when they when they are upset about something. But we need to create a culture where we say this is what's expected. These are our standards, and and we're all in the same boat together. And we're all rowing the same direction. So uh, you also Thank alluded you. to people being able to voice their frustrations. What what are some examples of of different you know, practices or exercise that you have where people are able to feel welcome to, to bring those frustrations to each other and to leadership and to the organization. Any, any tips in that department? Yeah, I love that question. One of the, one of the a phrase that came up when you were just talking about the micromanaging and instead building a culture is I think one of the really important reflections that I know I've asked myself a lot is, is this culture or control? Mm-hmm. Really easy to confuse them. You think that you have somebody in place following policies and procedures. That's not culture. That's control. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have a culture where I don't have to even think about that or pay attention to it. And if something arises, we have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I would say that is just absolutely imperative in creating a culture that supports the, you know, the not telling the principal type of thing is you, as the leader, you must go first. Mm-hmm. And this is so obvious, but what I mean by that is the moment you notice some sort of tension or breakdown in relationship or connection with one of your team, it's your job to address it before it becomes an issue so that you can not only resolve it, but also model to them. It's actually safe to have confrontation. Mm-hmm. 
my opinion, that the number one thing that breaks down company culture is a lack of organizational safety. Mm-hmm. Comes from like the shamanic background. Yeah. Just, you know, one, there was an example that I had with one of my teammates where I knew, I mean, it was obvious to everybody that there was a real breakdown, both in performance, effort, and relationship. And I must have asked her six times, everything, mm-hmm. everything going to get off your chest? And she would say no, because inherently your team is coming to you with this hierarchy of, I'm not actually allowed to tell the truth to my boss. Mm. And so I could have, if I wanted to, gotten away with it and said, well, I did my part. I already asked her. That's yeah. not going. That's not going first. Going first is leaning into the edge that you're vulnerable to go into confrontation with somebody and going into it in a way that actually makes it safe for them to be frustrated with you, to be Mm -hmm. angry, to want to quit, to make accusations, to project and not be get, not get defensive. And that is, you could spend your whole life on that scale. So I would say that's, that has to be the first thing. And every single time you have one of those interactions with your team, they actually learn that it's safe for them to do the same thing. And then the second thing would be, don't be a babysitter. Yeah. And don't be the intermediary unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. And yeah. I have I always, that's go like ahead. a really, really hardcore exercise that I don't necessarily recommend for everybody, but I can share it if it's of interest. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, it's a judgment exercise. I've done it. It's, it's probably best inside intimate groups of leadership versus I wouldn't recommend necessarily rolling this out to your whole team. Mm-hmm. You actually sit around in a circle and you take turns saying, you know, I would say, I've got a judgment of you. And you would say, okay, tell me what it is. And I would, I'm making this up. I would say, I'm judging you for wearing a t-shirt mm-hmm. really being, or maybe I'll give you something more example. I'm judging you for not, um, not following through on what you said you would. Mm-hmm. And then you would have to respond. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. You defend yourself. And then I have to go and look for a real example where I did the thing I'm judging you for. Mm-hmm. When I find it, I would say, just like me. And mm-hmm. in that moment, the energetic kind of tension that comes with judgment diffuses because I see that I'm actually projecting on you and there's no more tension in the relationship. And then you get the opportunity to actually reflect where my judgment of you was actually correct. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually have been struggling. I'm way overcommitted. And so what it does is it takes away this illusion that a good culture has to always be a positive, happy one. Yeah. I think culture is one where it's safe to be messy. It's safe to have confrontation and you can actually be real. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Cause yeah, a lot of times you talk about company culture, people think that, that there's no disagreements. You're all just sitting around holding hands, singing Kumbaya, but that's not what it is. You know, another one of our core values at Rockerbox is we possess the mindset of a champion and champions don't always do everything perfectly the first time around. Right. The mindset of a champion means that you learn from your mistakes. It means that you learn from other mistakes and others learn from your mistakes. And you're there to pick each you pick each other up and, and grow and become better versions of yourself. And so it's it's about failing forward, failing fast and, and, and failing cheap without it coming at a huge cost <laughs> to everyone. Um, I also love that you talked about, you know, really vulnerability. Vulnerability is a gift. And if you give someone the gift of vulnerability, you know, then the law of reciprocity kicks in and uh, they tend to open up and feel more connected and uh, to feel safe, like you said, uh, in that environment. So um, great point there. Um, I know that you also talked about, you know, some of the opportunities for growth within the organization. So there's no there's no more management positions. Um, How do people grow within the organization and how do you how do you celebrate and support that? So we do that in two ways. One of the things that really surprised me is. People want to grow. It's Mm -hmm. life's impulse to grow and evolve. And when you hire great talent, but there's nowhere for them to go, they're going to leave. 
Mm -hmm. And like in our business model, there aren't infinite promotions that you can give people. So one of the challenges that we were faced with was both creating genuine opportunities for advancement, but making every single day an opportunity for growth. So mm -hmm. I like to distinction between growth and advancement. And that has really helped me as a leader because there's no day that I've lived on this planet where there hasn't been an opportunity for me to grow in a significant and impactful way. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to, every day could be a quantum leap. Yeah. And I think that people get into the habit, especially what you're saying in jobs that could otherwise be sort of menial, you can really get into this robotic mindset with it and get bored very quickly. So one of the things that I pay a lot of attention to as a leader is where is my team falling short? Where are they mm -hmm. playing space? And not, not as a way to reprimand them, but to really show them this is the place that you're not going. This is the place that you're sort of hiding or holding back or playing small. And it could be the smallest thing from sending a text instead of making a phone call. Mm. It could be overhear them in a sales conversation. And I, and I say to them, you you were so, you just believed that first objection on purpose. What were you hiding from? And they'll be like, oh, stop seeing me. You know, <laughs> and so one, of, one of our teammates actually said, you know, I thought I made a mistake when I took this job. And I said, why? And she said, because you never, you never let me just stop. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, and now I love it. And so that's, that's kind of the way. And then the other thing that we did when we took away the management role was really, really looked at kind of breaking the mold of the way the business is normally done. And so what I did is I, I looked at the primary needs of the business. And then I looked at the primary inherent strengths and weaknesses of my team and then did one-on-one -on -one interviews with each of them. And then I actually created, they're not huge jumps, but you know, another $20 an hour for five hours a week kind mm -hmm. of a role. Mm -hmm. like they could actually just do the thing that served the business, but also was their biggest strength. Sure take a lot of innovation, time, space, and creativity as a leader. So it's easy not to do them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that model. Um, another thing that you alluded to there was the, the, the anecdote about the employee who said, I think I made a mistake when you, when, uh, when I took this job, cause you never let me stop. You're always pushing me to grow. And the truth of the matter is not everybody's wired that way. And that's okay because you've now committed to that. This is your culture. This is your standard. People don't come and work here and just get stuck and just not grow. It's not for everyone. And if you really truly have a strong culture like that, people can see it, they can feel it. And the right types of people will be magnetically attracted to it. And the wrong type of people will be magnetically pushed away. And that's exactly what you aim for as a business organization. I swear that when I work with other small organizations, probably the number one fear is, but if I, this person works 40 hours a week, if I let them go, we'll mm. be screwed. And I'm like, you're screwed until you let them go. Yep. Do not get in a scarcity mindset around your employees. Mm -hmm. They're correct. They are costing your business. And the yep. minute you let them go, you make an energetic decision about a, being a stand for your culture. And then, like you said, the right person shows up every time. Yep. Yep. Well, Vanessa, I know that you have a ton of other uh, a wealth of knowledge, and uh, this is about all the time we have for today's episode. Uh, where else can people go and find some more tools and resources from you to tap into the expertise that you've developed? 
the easiest to remember place is just to go to thepowergift.com. It's a free under 60 minute training on the five different ways that you can actually access your power. It's an acronym for the different ways that you can show up with more impact. And then if you follow that link, it'll also take you to one of my free sales trainings. So those are the best two spots. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. It's thepowergift.com. Vanessa Brewers, it's been a pleasure talking with you this afternoon. And uh, for our guests, have no fear. We've got more awesome guests coming your way on future episodes. So stay tuned in to the Five Star Company Culture Podcast. Thanks again, Vanessa. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Five Star Company Culture with Josh Cunningham. Embrace these lessons to elevate your business and join the ranks of thriving organizations. Stay tuned for more episodes. And until next time, remember, culture is the key to your success.